Hey everyone, welcome to episode 21 of Destiny Midweek. What season are we in? Season 4. We're still in season 4? 4B. Alright. Welcome to another great episode of Destiny Midweek. Hope you're having a good day, a great week. My name is Pastor Mark. Well, no. No, that's not my name. My name is Mark Bell. And uh, I am a pastor here at Destiny Church, joined with Matt Bell, uh, lead pastor at Destiny. Matt, how are you today? Doing, doing doing great, having a great day. Excited to be here and recording this great podcast, Destiny Midweek, episode 21. And just blessed, man, just walking in the favor of God. Thankful for the wonderful weather that we're having. Thankful for the coffee that I'm drinking. Amen. And... Thankful for the last week that we had of ministry here at the church, Light Your World 2020. Yeah, it was, man, what a week. I know you had like a recap podcast with Pastor Kurt. Yeah. It was great. Good. Yeah, it was great to spend a little bit of time with him. It was a good listen. Up bring, here in the studio. Bring him up to the upper room. What do you think of our setup here? He, he loved it. It was totally throwback for him because they used to have a church library at their old church. Not the one they're at now, but their old one. Mm-hmm. And so he said, man, this is just like walking back in time, which it kind of is when you come up here. Oh, yeah. And in case you didn't know this and you're listening, you're like, what are they talking about? We have a church library at the church. We had. We had. It's not currently in operation. Library. Right. But we all the books are still in here. Yes. And so it has this very interesting vibe. We should put a picture in the show notes for people just to, oh, yeah. to get a sense of what it's like up here but yeah so that was a good podcast i did notice though that something was missing yeah you of course well i noticed that as well but there was no intro music yeah there wasn't any intro music our producer dropped the ball on that one yeah, man that person was just overwhelmed with the excitement from the missions conference they yeah. just forgot to put it on there i see so cool i was gonna say so are we gonna have intro music this week but it's either there already or it isn't. Right. So we'll see what the producer does. We'll see what the producer we'll, does. We'll see what the producer did. Did. Yeah. Great. All right. So how how has your post-conference last few days you been? Know, I know it's... Man, <laughs> it, uh, the, the, the few days after the missions conference, I was so tired and Heather was too. And we were, we were like falling asleep at seven, eight o'clock at night. She was saying, man, it just feels like I have jet lag, mm, mm-hmm. like this sleepy eyes would just get on you and we couldn't even stay awake. And, you know, it, it was, it, it was a lot of work, but it was also a lot of fun. Yeah. You, you don't, I, I was kind of like thinking, why am I so tired? Did I really do enough to justify me being this tired or am I just a big wimp, mm-hmm. you know? And I think I came away with the conclusion that I'm just a big wimp. I mean, I, I, I did not do enough to justify as tired as I was. I see. Yeah, so, I, it was, uh, felt the same way. I came in to the office Wednesday and I just felt totally useless. Like I was literally just walking around in different classrooms. Like what am I, what, what am I supposed to be like doing? Mind, right n- mind numb. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it was a great week. I feel fully recovered now. Got some good rest. Good. And uh, ready to take on the world. So what what have you had going on? What's going on in, in your mind, in your realm? In my realm, man, you know, uh, Sunday, there was quite a 
an event, a tragedy. Yeah. The helicopter crash in L.A. Yeah, it's horrible. Kobe and his daughter and uh, seven his, other people. His, yeah, and it's crazy. And the uh, baseball coach that that passed away, and his wife and daughter. He was like a in the junior college realm, a world-renowned baseball coach too. But yeah, so I've just you know been kind of keeping up with that. To me, it's interesting to see how the world reacts to death. Right. Just what people focus on, what people talk about. Right. So I've been I've been keeping up with it. You know, as as me and you are well aware, we're not promised another day. Right. And it's just a, another reminder that we have to make every every day of our lives count. Yeah, I know when when I saw the headline on Sunday and I read it, it it really stopped me. I I felt like it took my breath away and I was out to lunch and I was just like, oh my goodness, this is horrible. Like, how can this happen to Kobe Bryant? Mm -hmm. I understand how things like this could happen to normal people. Right. But he's not a normal person. I mean, he's someone who's climbed the pinnacle, reached the pinnacle Mm-hmm. of western culture in so many facets you know he's at the he's at the top of the sports world won the nba championship five times very successful in business post his nba career and it just shows you that life is so short and it's so fragile and that at any moment any one of us can step into eternity yeah and the bible is honest about this right James 4, 14, that life is like a vapor. It's like a mist. It's here today. It's gone tomorrow. And I think that that's what a lot of people are wrestling with and grappling with in the world is they don't have a framework to understand how events like this are possible or can happen. We who have a biblical framework understand that this life is just a prelude. We're just passing through. We can't get too comfortable. We can't hold on to this world or this life. It's all fleeting. It's all fading away. But it's it's jarring when someone so young so vibrant, so full of life is taken in a very tragic way. And hopefully it could cause some people to stop and wait and ponder and say, hey, if it can happen to Kobe Bryant, it sure could happen to me. Yeah. And am I ready to make that transition? Am I ready to step into eternity right now? Yeah. One, a few things that were were great to hear is just I, I didn't hear this too much up until he had died but apparently you know his post career in the NBA he had become a great family man so that that was that was cool to hear because you know you think about these NBA stars and you you just kind of think that they're all a bunch of snobby conceited jerks that probably aren't great parents and whatnot so that was cool but at the same time that made it even a little more heartbreaking thinking about his family but it is to me inspiring hearing about just how every single thing that he did he he strived to be the best right and just like us with this podcast oh yeah just like us no so you know i he had something called the mamba mentality which is just like this killer attitude yeah so you know i the last few days coming to work i'm just like am i am i coming to work with the mamba mentality I mean, yeah, as, or, as Christians, know. we should always live with the Mamba mentality. That's right. We should, but do we? Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Mm-hmm. So 
that even supersedes the Mamba mentality. Yeah. That's like the Yahweh mentality. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we should approach, it shouldn't take Kobe Bryant dying for us to take our work for the Lord seriously. So. Right. Anyway, so that's, I've just been thinking about that. Yeah. So other than that, life is good. It's great. So there's a few things coming up that I'm really excited about. Yeah, for sure. We got our men's fellowship. Men's fellowship dinner happening next Monday night. This coming Monday. This coming Monday, February 3rd. February 3rd. At 6.30 p.m. Man, just saying 2020 sounds great. I'm going to be saying that for everything this year. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's quite a declaration. Yeah, it's just you know February 3rd, 2020. I'll hold you to it. All right. Do you know what's on the menu for that? We are thinking about burgers. Oh, okay. On the grill. Mm. All beef patties mm-hmm. this time. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're, we're, we're pursuing that hamburger. Oh, great. Situation. So it should be great. Wonderful time. I think I'm going to bring another charge mm. to the men, mm-hmm. similar to how I did last time. Yeah. So like part two or 2.0. Yeah, that was a good charge. Yeah. I, I, I felt like it was what we needed to do, and I think maybe we'll lean into that a little bit more. And then the following Sunday, February 9th, we've got two great, exciting things happening. Right. It's really three. One. The first is the two. growth track. Yes. Well, that's not first in well, the first chronological. That I want to talk about. Okay. Is we got a new series of growth track and we're kicking off after service, calling it lunch with the pastors after service. So that's going to be great. Yeah, that's going to be cool. If you want to sign up for that, you can go to our website and click around and hopefully find it on there somewhere. Growth track. You can register on there on our website. The second is we're kicking off a brand new series on that Sunday, February the 9th, a new sermon series. And we're going to be going through the book of drum roll. The book of Acts together. Oh, so cool. Yeah, going through the book of Acts together. It's going to be awesome. I don't know how many weeks it's going to be. I'm still charting it out. The first two chapters that I've outlined is already going to be five weeks oh, wow. in the first two chapters. So this might take us through the end of the year. Oh, man. Or even beyond. I don't know. It could be all of 2020, the book of Acts. But man, what a fantastic book of the Bible. And if you have not started digging into that and reading that recently, mm-hmm. Man, just jump in. It's going to be a blessing to you, to your walk with the Lord, and to your to, to living life. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's the second that's thing. That's two things. The third thing is, of course, with all of our big sermon series, we have our community groups that jump back into session that Sunday, of kicking course. them off. So yeah, a lot of great things coming up here at the church. We always get our year started. Our regular church calendar gets going in February. Right. Just because... Kind of put everything on hold yeah, for the missions put on, conference. Put things and, on hold for to get missions conference, and I think that was a great blessing. Also, Febu- oh, yeah. February the fifth. February the fifth. We're starting a new unit of King's Bible Institute, our two-year Bible program. That's right. If you haven't been to KBI, or if you went thirty years ago, and you were in that class with John and Ruth Bell, you could always come back and be blessed with God's word. But yeah. February 5th, we're moving KBI to Wednesday instead of Tuesday, and it's going to be a great time together. So lots of lots of great stuff happening here and coming up at the church. Very exciting stuff. So we had a service on Sunday. 
We did a great a great service. It culminated and climaxed with us praying over new members yeah. joining the church, which is just always a, such a fantastic Sunday. And I really felt like the church body, the church family, really embraced them and and was excited to have these new families, new people joining our fellowship. Yeah, it it is. It's really cool, really exciting, and and it was great just to see the congregation come up after service and shake their hands, welcome them, and it was really, really cool to see. So, did you speak on something kind of along the lines of- I did. uh, I did. Since we're not in a series yet, mm -hmm. I wanted to just share something that would tie into a local church body, and it took me a while to get there as far as the message goes, because- I wanted to bring, did you listen to the message? You haven't listened to it? No, I don't know. It's really good. Uh, I don't think it's on YouTube yet, but I know it's on Facebook Live. I think it was good, but usually when I think it's a good message, nobody else does. And when I think it's horrible, everyone says it was great. So I heard heard the last few minutes of it, and that was really good. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I, I tracked Paul's story from when we first meet him in Acts chapter 7. And he is overseeing the execution of Stephen, the first martyr, one of the church's up and coming leaders, a deacon, and it tracks his persecution. We, we walk through his persecution of the church to his conversion and then him ultimately being received back into the church in Jerusalem, the church that he was persecuting. And I talked about how we as a church have to be willing to receive those that are not like us, or maybe we have something against them, but just the that the church was willing to love and embrace and forgive the man who had persecuted them so violently and even torn some of the very family members of that church apart or ter- torn those families apart, that he w- still was received and forgiven. It's just such a beautiful picture of what a local church can be and should be. And I believe that he really got a vision for the local church through that experience, and he spent the rest of his life as a missionary, traveling from town to town, establishing and planting local churches, communities, just like the one that he had seen where other people could come in and receive healing and wholeness and help and purpose and life and destiny. Yeah, so you kind of wonder what would have happened if the other disciples didn't receive him. Right, and of course we know in reading Acts chapter 9 that they didn't want to initially, and it took Barnabas who came and brought them two together and said, this is a good thing. He vouched for him. We all need a Barnabas in our life who will vouch for us, who will believe in us. And maybe I'll talk about that when I get to Acts chapter nine at some point in 2020. 2020. So what was your like big takeaway? My big takeaway was that the the local church is a place of, of restoration and healing for people. It can be, it should be, it should be what we're aiming for. And I, I encouraged our people to aspire that, to want that, to not let the petty things of the flesh get in the way. And, and when we want our own way, or, or maybe there's someone new that inconveniences us in some way because they don't know all the history or whatever about our church, that, that we as, as people, as believers, that we're willing to lay those things aside for the sake and the good of others and that they might find healing and wholeness and purpose and Jesus. So that was, that was kind of my big takeaway from Sunday, encouraging the church to, to elevate in, into that, that mode of thinking as a church body. 
That's cool. Yeah, at the end, you shared 12 points. Yeah, that, that wasn't necessarily supposed to be the end, but um, I, it took so long telling Paul's life story I see. that it ended up being just the end, and I went through the list quite quickly. I, I, I had thought that maybe I would spend a little bit more time walking through those mm. mm-hmm. and you know, fleshing those out a little bit more. But at the same time, I wanted I wanted to show why it was such a big deal that this church had embraced and received him. Because you read about it in Acts nine, and if you're not really familiar with the context, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't really land very hard. Right. You can kind of just read over it, and oh yeah, of course they received him. But like, wait a second, he was he was putting these people to death. These people, not people from another town or another city or another church. The people in this church. And they welcomed him back into fellowship. It's awesome. So I wanted people to really be able to to see that and to feel that. So I did take my time yeah. walking through Acts 6, 7, and 8. Yeah, I think that's really good to give the context. A lot of times pastors can assume that the church just knows. And most of the time, that's not the case. So Right. Well, that particular fact is something that jumped off the page at me maybe sometime last year as I was reading through Acts. Actually, I think it was as I was teaching through Acts. And I had just, I had never seen it that way before. I, I knew the facts, but it, it, it just, it hadn't been fleshed out. I hadn't really thought about what it would have been like for him to go back mm-hmm. and, and, you know, see these people face to face and, and for them to call him brother and to say, I forgive you. Like, that's so huge. It's so huge. Yeah, because the, I mean, the churches were such a tight-knit group and community. really was like a family. So just to, to have all those personal relationships and then just to know what Paul had done to their specific families and to be willing to forgive, to me it just shows how real the resurrection of Christ was to them and how real what, what Jesus had done was. Right. And, you know, a lot of people will say, well, the disciples made it up and Jesus is still dead somewhere. Like, right. You wouldn't forgive. Yeah. It's the power of who, Christ. Yeah. At, at work. Yeah. The power of Christ. Only, only through his spirit could that happen. Could that take place? So that was really cool. And I think that's great. You probably gave people a little, little taste of Acts, maybe a little teaser. Left them wanting more. And so it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Really excited about it. So we have some questions this week. We did. Lisa J. Yeah. One of our new members. One of our new members. That's right. That's, she sent in a triple threat. Yeah. This is, this is, I have my work cut out for me. Threefold. Three questions. These are awesome questions, by the way. Yeah, they're great. So I'll, I'll read through it and then I'll let you do what you do best. So it says, hello, Pastor Mark. And actually it says, hello, Pastor Matt and Pastor Mark. In Acts 9, 3 through 6, Jesus confronts Saul. When the light surrounds Saul and he falls to the ground, Saul asks, Who are you, Lord? I was surprised by Saul's reference to Jesus as Lord, because Saul did not yet know with whom he was speaking. But in researching, it seems that this was a term of respect used in the time period. So it seems Saul was reaching to the light as I would react to a police officer who approaches my car window after being stopped by the whirling red and blue lights in my rearview mirror, which is to say, yes, sir. Do you agree that this is why Saul calls Jesus Lord out of fearful respect? Or do you think Saul had an idea that he was speaking to Christ? 
That's a great question. I think that, well, we know that Paul is very devout. He is a very devout Jew. And so he knows of God and believes that he has a relationship with God through the sacrifices of animals, through the Old Testament covenant, the covenant God made with Abraham and then the covenant he made with Moses and and handed the law to Moses. And so Paul is not an unbeliever. He is a person of faith. He just does not yet know and see that Jesus is the God of the Old Testament. And so when he is knocked off his horse, and it doesn't say that there's a horse in this passage, but I I certainly visualize that, that he's traveling on horseback and this light blinds him and knocks him to the ground. It doesn't say anywhere that he was on a horse? It doesn't say it in this passage. It might say it later in Acts because he retells the story several times. And I'm just not sure. I can look it up (laughs) real quick. Uh, Who cares? It doesn't matter. Whether he's on a horse or not on a horse, he's knocked to the ground by this blinding light and this voice. And so I think that Paul has a sense that it is God who's knocking him down and blinding him with this light. But his question is, who who are you? And yes, with the title, Lord. And Jesus reveals that I am Jesus Christ, the one that you are persecuting. And I think for Paul at that moment, he realizes that Jesus is God, that he was wrong, that Jesus truly is who the disciples were claiming that he was, that he is the Messiah, he is the Son of God, he is risen from the dead, he is ascended to the right hand of the Father. And so, yes, I think it's fearful respect. I think that Paul also knows and realizes that it's only God who could be showing and shining this light the way that he is. And so I, I think it's all of those things working together. He may have even had an inkling that it was Jesus. So while we can't know for 100% exactly what he means, certainly he's saying it as a way of showing respect. And I think that he understood he was talking with God, but he wanted clarity on exactly who it was that was asking him this question. Why are you persecuting me? And knowing that he's been persecuting Christ, he has an idea that, It's Jesus that's asking him that question. What do you think? I never really thought about it, honestly, up until seeing this. But I would agree that he did know in that moment that this was an act of God. Now, whether he knew when he was saying Lord that he was addressing Christ, I don't know. But I think that when it was happening, he knew it was an act of God. And so right then, you know, in that moment, he's processing it all. Why is why is that why is God doing this to me? Right. I'm on my way to persecute people who believe in Jesus. So maybe that led him, maybe he processed all that in his mind and then came to the realization that this is Christ. So the second question is in Acts twenty six, fourteen, Jesus says, It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Is he saying here that Saul is no match to the will of God? So in Acts chapter 26, Paul is retelling his conversion story and conversion experience as a way of testimony. And he adds in here this line that we don't see in the first uh, retelling of it in Acts chapter 9, and that it's that Jesus says to him, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, or other translations will say it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Goads were an ancient form of barbed wire that were, were natural, 
kind of like the crown of thorns that they wrapped and put on Jesus' head. And they would use these thorns or these goads to keep the sheep in the pen. And also you could use it as a sharp stick to move sheep in and along the right direction, to kind of poke them, to get them to move where you want them to move. And so what Jesus here is saying is, I've been trying to point you in the right direction and you have been basically rebelling against my will violently by persecuting the church and persecuting me. And he's basically, like Lisa says, he's basically saying, why are you doing that? That's stupid. Like, don't, don't kick the goad. You're only going to hurt yourself. You cannot win when I am pointing you in this direction. So yes, Lisa, that's exactly what God is saying. He's saying you can't resist his will. Mm-hmm. And Paul will even write that in Romans chapter nine. Who can resist the will of God? He says, can the clay say to the potter, why are you making me this way? And that's the exact term that he uses in, in Romans nine nineteen. How can you resist his will? You can't, you cannot resist God's will. God will accomplish his will and purpose in our lives, period. So we might as well get on board with his plan instead of kicking against the goads. Right, because kicking against the goads will only produce heartache and hurt and pain. All right, so question three, it says, Pastor Matt didn't specifically preach on them, but referenced the earlier chapters, one through five. Well, I will, coming up. Oh, yeah. We're going to get into that. February 9th. It's going to be awesome. 2020. 2020. Pastor Matt didn't specifically preach on them, but referenced the earlier chapters, one through five, of Acts when talking about how the first local church formed. In Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira fall dead after lying about withholding a portion of the proceeds from the sale of their possessions. Which is a crazy story. Very crazy. It's, just, it's, it's nuts. Can't wait to talk about it's a it. crazy story. 2020. I found this interesting given the recent discussion at Destiny about the importance of supporting missions. Sunday sermon discussion about how all the disciples supported the first local church and my own recent discussion with a family member whose pastor preached that not tithing is stealing from God. In Acts 5.4, Peter tells Ananias that he didn't lie to man by withholding a portion, but lied to God, and Ananias fell dead. Did he die for his lack of faith in feeling the need to hold a portion to take care of himself, or did he die for his deceit, or was it for his disobedience? That's it, seriously is such a wild story, and you read about stuff like that in the Old Testament, but this is the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the church that we're talking about, and I, I just want to be clear that I did not say if you don't give your missions pledge, you're going to be struck dead, right? I hope not. I didn't say that. Yeah. When we're talking about missions pledges and what was happening here in Acts chapter 5, these are different kinds of things. And when you read in Acts chapter 5, when Ananias and Sapphira, they conspire to do this thing and the Holy Spirit reveals it to Peter. Peter in verse 3 says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. Verse four, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your own disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Verse five, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down dead and breathed his last and great fear came upon all who heard it. So God 
decides to take Ananias to take his life and to have him pay for his sin with his life. And why God chooses to do that in this situation, I do not know. I, I, I can read from the text that it says that great fear fell on everyone. And it could possibly be God's way of saying, look, you don't want to mess with the church and you don't want to mess with the apostles. And this is serious business. What's happening here? Just a demonstration of, of God's power. But what Peter says is, look, the money was yours. It was your land. You sold it. It was your money. It belonged, Like you could do what you want with it. You didn't have to come and say that you gave all of it. You didn't have to do that. But you lied to try and make yourself look better, to try and glorify yourself. Mm-hmm. And Peter is saying, look, you could have given us nothing. You could have given us half of it. But just be honest. Just tell us what the truth is. And so he falls down dead. And his wife does too under the power of God. It's a sobering story. It's a story that should cause us to pause and to, to wait and to say, you know what? Maybe I ought to just be honest with what I'm doing. I don't think it's tied to tithing. I don't think he died for his lack of faith. I believe he died for his deception and his lying. And I think God wanted to make an example out of them for the church body because a great fear of God comes upon the whole church community. And I think that we would all agree that probably in the majority of our churches, the fear of God is somewhat lacking, Mm -hmm. which the book of Proverbs says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So a good, healthy respect for God, not being afraid of him because he is good to us always, but just a healthy respect of his authority. And God's not someone to mess with. And that ultimately we should be respectful of him and care what he thinks about us more than we care about being glorified by others and what they think about us. Yeah, I think that's that's the big thing is that he was, you know, maybe he was trying to position himself as this you know, great man that had done this great thing, hoping to move up in the ranks or, you know, obviously he had selfish intentions and, you know, he said, Satan had filled your heart. So we know that his intentions weren't good, that he had bad intentions for what he was doing. And And I, I would seriously question whether him and his wife were even genuine believers, whether they were born again, truly, Mm -hmm. or they were, they were trying to make a name for themselves in, in this new movement, this new community. And God says, nope, not going to happen. Yeah. So that's just a good reminder for us that whatever we're doing, whatever we're a part of, whatever we get involved with in the church, that our intentions and our motives should always first be to glorify God. And that's why we're doing it. We're not doing it for fame or for recognition or to move up on the leadership team. Because when when that starts to happen, then so quickly our priorities can change on why we're serving and it can alter the decisions that we make because we're aiming to please ourselves or or we're motivated by ourselves and not to glorify God. So I think, yeah, at the start of a church, I think that, you know, maybe God was just showing his power, showing what he can do and saying, this is, we're not, I'm not going to let this fly. Yeah. Yeah. I can I can imagine the just the uh, fear and respect during offering time the next yeah. couple of weeks in the church right <laughs> seriously <laughs> yeah it just goes to show you that you got to be real with God you got to take this stuff seriously with God and this is this is one of those sort of awkward and, and uncomfortable mm-hmm. 
stories in, in the New Testament. And, and the reason why it's uncomfortable and awkward is because it challenges our preconceptions of who we think God is and how we think he should operate. And he doesn't fit in our little box. Yeah. Because we would look at this and, and in our humanity and our fallen humanity, we would say, we would say, man, does the punishment fit the crime? It seems a little excessive, but it's because we're all morally compromised individuals. Mm-hmm. And it scares us a little bit because we look at this and we say, well, I've done more, I've done worse than that. Thank, yeah. thank God for his grace that I'm still alive. Right. Yeah. It should, it should scare us a lot. I mean, it, it should, reading it, our fear of the Lord should be elevated and hopefully it is. So yeah, that's going to be a, another fun one. That's going to be you. a, that's going to go over like a lead balloon. <laughs> I can already tell that when we get to Acts 5, there's going to be some uncomfortable shifting yeah. happening in the seats can't wait but it's god's word and if we receive it in faith it will bear good fruit in our lives amen amen so thank you lisa jay for sending those questions in and i want to encourage all of you listening to submit some questions maybe start reading through the book of acts be thinking about it and if any questions come up you know that's really why we started this podcast is to get y'all interacting, to get you thinking deeper about the word, and hopefully we can help you flesh out some of these questions that you might have. So if you do have questions, you can just pull out your phone and text us at 210-405-6267, 210-405-6267, or you can email us at podcast at destinychurch.cc. Send us your questions. We can't wait to see the kind of feedback we get from the book of Acts, which is starting February 9th, 2020. So I think that's going to do it. Do you have anything else you wanted to? Nope, that's it. That's it. Episode. Really looking forward to Acts, and I think it's going to be a great season. And 2020, it's going to be a breakout year for this church. 21 episode 21 is a great episode thank you for listening and we will be talking to you soon have a great week